Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Now is the time for Leah to qualify. Okay. All right. It's time for me to qualify. All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nancy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. So, so thankful to be here this morning with you guys. Um, I'm feeling very, very nervous. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to quickly breathe and say the set aside prayers. So bear with me, guys. Um, God, please help me set aside everything I think I know about myself, my disease, 12 steps, and the fellowship, and especially you. For an open mind and a new experience with myself, my addiction, the steps, the fellowship, and you. Please let me see the truth. All right. <sighs> Thank you, John, for asking me to speak this morning. Um, yeah, I'm, it was interesting when um, Don asked me to speak. The first thing that I thought about was I do not have enough recovery to be sharing at the kitchen sink. And, um, you know, I've been in program since 2017, and I have um, two and a half years of abstinence, but I never feel like I have enough recovery, and that's just not true. I feel like, you know, sometimes I get as much out of newcomers as I do from, like, old comers, and um, just need to say that out loud to, to myself to, to feel okay, because <laughs> um, we each have our higher power, and I'm not it, so... So, yeah, what it was like. Um, yeah, so I think I'm one of those people that was born a compulsive overeater. Um, as I've been kind of um, letting in my family into, like, my uh, – into my life, into into the compulsive overeating life, it's been interesting how they shared the different ways – well, my mom, she was the one that shared, but, like, the different ways they went about, like, trying to control my eating. I always wanted more food. There was never enough food that I could have. Um, my dad, he works a, a physical job, and at the age of two and a half, three, I wanted to eat as much as he did. And um, my parents were like, man, this is not normal. So they tried to, like, hide the food in the oven. But whenever I saw my dad having more, like, I would want more. So he would give me food off his plate. And and even though I don't remember, it's just interesting to sometimes hear, um, you know, other people's experiences with my food, um, you know, the ones that were around. Um Growing up, it was um, it was a very lonely childhood. I, I had a really great imagination. I had a lot of Barbie dolls. I had a lot of, you know, um, you know, imaginary friends. But what I really had a hard time with was actually making real relationships. I always wanted people to like me. So when those moments fell hard for me to connect with other people, I ate. Food became my friend. I would hide food. Um, my dad, he um, delivers bread to grocery stores for a living, and as a kid, I would I would take bites of the fresh bread that uh, of, of uh, that was supposed to be going to clients because I just wanted to eat, and and um, and bread was always there. Um, so it's just you know, I I try to when I remember what it was like, I'm trying to have so much kindness and gentleness towards this like little girl that just didn't have the tools to to cope with the world around her. Um, yeah, uh, 
I, uh, one of the things that I remember distinctly was looking forward towards lunchtime in elementary school because a lot of the kids, they wouldn't finish their meals. And I had a hookup with the lunch lady and she would always kind of give me more food. And I would ask my classmates um, if I could finish their food instead of going to the playground to play. I'd be like, hey, do you want to finish that sloppy joe? And I hate sloppy joes, but I would ask them for sloppy. There's sloppy joes anyway. And um, and I would have avoided going to recess because I didn't have anyone to play with. So food was my friend. It was my companion. It was my everything, even, you know, in elementary school. Um, you know, as time went on, um, you know, I I became more body obsessed. My my parents, um, you know, they they did their best. And I have to remind myself when I talk about my parents because I feel really guilty. Um, they did their best, but it had an effect. They, um, and, and to control my eating, there was a lot of verbal abuse, a lot of emotional abuse. Um, and, um, I started to become aware of my body and, and how it was growing in the wrong direction. <laughs> um, and one of the things that, you know, kind of comes to mind is just how, um, I would eat in spite of, like, of their, of their, um, suggestions. And I knew they wanted well for me, but it's just like I just couldn't stop eating. I would um I would start I would steal food. I would um when I was in high school I would steal diet pills because I knew there was something wrong with my body, right? Like why is it that like I why is it that I'm taking diet pills for three days and I don't have a six pack the next day? Like that's like the kind of thinking I had. Like I really thought that if I ran a mile, I should have like a Victoria's Secret body. Like it was just um insanity. Um yeah, just um, you know, becoming aware of my body. I remember when I was three, you know, like the girls were talking about what their body weights were. And I just remember thinking like, they said they were like 60 something pounds. And I just remember thinking like, wow, I'm like 87 pounds. I was 87 pounds in the third grade. And I remember that still, but I just remember like saying that I was 60 something pounds because I knew that 87 pounds was not okay. And I felt shame and I wanted you to like me. So I would lie about my number. Um, in high school, I found exercise. I had learned to exercise. And what that quickly became was a, um, it was a compulsive over-exercising or, you know, exercising. Believe me, I mean, there's so many things we coined in this program. But I learned a trick. I can work out for four hours, and then I can eat whatever I wanted. And I have these um, habits or had these habits, which I used to decipher whether my body was doing what I wanted to do, it to do. I call it the three P's, right? Pinch, poke, and pick. So when I would sit, I would pinch my fat to see how much was sticking out of my jeans. And depending on that, I was having a good day or I was having a bad day. Um, I, uh, yeah, I used to go, go to, I used to get arrived to work late a lot because I used to want to go to the gym twice a day. So I would go two hours in the morning and it didn't matter. Like I didn't care. I didn't care about my grades. I didn't care about work. I just cared about the calories that I burned. And the thing was back in the day, I mean, I'm not, I'm in my thirties, but it's like, I didn't have a Fitbit or anything. So I would have to go based off whatever the calorie machine or, or the, the calories on the treadmill told me. So I would just do a little bit over just in case it miscalculated something. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I was, <laughs> I was, um, I was raised Catholic and it, what, what was really 
interesting is how um, the fear of God was instilled in me at a very young age. So um, I was I was born I, I, I'm Portuguese, so we're uh, we tend to be a very religious Catholic bunch. And um, what would happen is sometimes it was thunderstorm or it would rain. And my parents would be like, what did you do that God is so upset that it's thunderstorming or that he's crying? And I remember being that young and being like, oh, my God, like, I really upset God. And I remember, like, praying. And not, I, and I wasn't praying just, you know, for, you know, for others. I was praying because I was scared and I didn't want to go to hell because that meant I was going to be eaten alive by these little craters underneath the earth right so it's like I was praying out of fear I um I used to go to catechism and around like age eight nine I would go to confession every week and when I started doing this work in LA I realized like I'm like what was it that I felt was so bad that I was doing that I felt like I needed to go to confession every week so that's been a Coming into program, it's been interesting seeing what this relationship with the higher power had had to become because it wasn't working. I was punishing myself with food, and I felt like if I kept on um, believing these beliefs that I was born into, it, it was not going to help me in my recovery. Um, and sorry, I'm just going to take a minute and breathe. <laughs> um, yeah, what it was like. So, yeah, there was a lot of lying and dishonesty that happened. I um, I would lie about where I got food, where I got money for food, where I got money for anything. Um, I was dishonest to you, and I was dishonest to myself. And um, I feel like one of the biggest things that that program showed me or is continuing to show me is, like, what it's like to live an honest life. And I was like, how, if I'm lying to you and I'm lying to me, how do I know when I'm being honest, right? And, um, I feel like it comes down to this, like, little voice inside that, that's like, hey, you know better, right? But, um, that was, like, um, one of the biggest things is just, like, I just was a compulsive liar. Like, I didn't want to tell you, like, you know, exactly what I was doing, exactly what was on my mind, because I wanted to be able to, to mold it into the truth you wanted it to be. And if it was, and if you didn't like it, guess what? I would eat. Like, I would eat when I was happy. I would eat when I was sad. I would eat, if you were happy or sad, like, I was everyone's favorite binge buddy going to diners at, like, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning in Jersey. Like, um, diners are always open here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just, uh, like, the, all the lying and dishonesty, really, I wore it. I wore it. Um, yeah, and then just what ended up happening was that um, I met a guy in Portugal, and we started this long-distance relationship, and he was living out here in L.A., and I remember, I'm like, this is great, long-distance I can totally go on a diet between when we see each other. And every time he would see me, I would look better and better and better. So that happened while we were in this long-distance relationship. But then I moved in with the guy. I moved to L.A. I moved in with him. And and things changed. Um, I started gaining weight. Um, I started to pick up the food, um, as we call it. Um, I Because till then I was exercising to, to kind of keep my body in check. But then... I didn't have a gym membership in L.A., and it was, like, far. You needed a car. You needed, like, there was so many things. I was so out of my element when I moved here, and, oh, man, just, like, the eating took off because the, the, the mental twist was, like, no one's going to see me. No one, like, my friends, my parents, no one's going to look at me. There's only one person that's looking at me, and he tells me he really loves me, so 
screw it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to eat. So I just, um, the eating began and it didn't stop at all. Um, I, uh, I was, I, I've been with my husband for 11 years now. I married the guy. Um, and you know, I just, I just try to have so much compassion for myself when I think about what it was like in the beginning when we first moved in, because I was not a really nice person to be around. I wasn't a safe person to be around. I was always drunk on the food. Like (laughs) my husband, he would travel for his work trips and I would be so freaking excited. I'm like, okay, he's gone for a week and this is my binge. Like I had it all planned out. Like it was, it was going to be like, it was going to be great. It was better than, it was better than sex to be honest. So it was, um, it was crazy to, 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 like, I was just excited for him to, to go travel. And then there were, and he was traveling a lot. So at one point he was like, you know, Nancy, I, uh, I'm going to ask my job to, to kind of cut back on the traveling because I want to, you know, I want to be around. I want to have more time with us because he was traveling a lot. And I was so resentful at him. I was like, how dare you? I was like, if they want you to travel, you go travel. Like, you know, and, and that was because I just wanted to be alone with the food, not with him. Like, I'm like, I can't eat the way I want to eat when you're around. So it was just interesting the lengths that I went to to eat and how it affected my relationships um, and, and, and the people that loved me. Because I didn't I wasn't available for them to love me because I just wanted to isolate. I wanted I wanted what I wanted when I wanted. Um. So um, what happened? <laughs> um, so yeah, I so at the time when um, when I was when, when I was when I came into program, my husband and I we were together for about eight years, and you know my husband kept on talking about like you know it's I think it's about time for us to start a family. He's a little bit older, so there were some concerns, and all I kept thinking was like, how the f am I going to be a mom if and raise a family if I'm lying the way I'm lying and I'm eating the way I'm eating and my body. I mean, I was really heavy at that point. I was, I think I was at my peak of 230 pounds, but, um, all I kept on thinking was like, how, how does he want me to come through with that? Like, that's a big ass starting a family. Like, oh my God, I can't barely take care of myself. Um, so I, um, yeah, I, I went and I sought some outside help and that was the best thing I've ever done. Um, I, I, I went to a therapist and my therapist Thank God, this woman, she is in a 12-step program because she was the, my uh, my Eskimo. <laughs> um, and I kept, I was went into the office, I was crying. I was like, I can't stop eating. And, and this is what my husband wants. He wants a family. What is wrong with him? And then she's like, gee, it seems like your life is pretty unmanageable around the food. And I'm like, this witch. I was just like cursing her off in my head because I'm just like, she doesn't know me. She doesn't get it. Um, and then she was like, okay, like, so I went to her like three times and mind you, I was paying her out of pocket and money is like a sore subject sometimes. I'm like, ah, I don't want to pay for anything. Right. So went to her three times. And then the third time she's like, you know, how about you try to do some controlled eating, you know? And I was like, fine, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it. Right. And you're, you know, and I was just like, really like, I'm going to show you. Right. So I went to Trader Joe's and I bought these things that normal people eat. Right. And, um, I ate it with all within three days. And then, so the next time I went to my therapist, she was like, okay, so let's now try to, you know, she's like, I want you to go to an OA meeting. And, um, and I went because I'm like, it's getting expensive. Therapy is expensive and OA is free. And, you know, if it works, let, you know, it, it won't hurt. Right. So I went to the meeting. And I five, five, five minutes. Thanks, thanks, Vincent. Thank you. 
Um, so yeah, I, um, <laughs> yeah, I went to my first meeting and I remember the first meeting I went to, oh my God, it was, um, it was a Wednesday and, and right after Thanksgiving. And I was like, what am I doing here? And people started talking about, like people started sharing, right? And I've never heard people share the way, you know, share about the food in the way I did in my head, if that makes sense. But, um, you know, they, yeah, they were just talking about it out loud. And I was like, this is the kind of things I think in my thoughts and, but I never tell anyone. And, and, and I was like, wow, this is, and, and I've been in the room since then. Um, and the first miracle of the program that I experienced was I went to my first meeting was on a Wednesday and there was a, a young person's meeting on a Thursday. And I went to this young person's meeting and when I arrived, I, the room was empty. I didn't know that they had changed the meeting location. Um, so basically, um, I was really excited for like five minutes because I was like, I am going to binge on my way home. Like the best thing a compulsive overeater wants is unaccounted, you know, time, um, you know, and money to like go and buy whatever food they want. So I, um, so I was like thinking about all the drive throughs that was going to hit within this hour that I was supposed to be at this meeting. But I drove home. And I didn't stop at any of the drive throughs And I remember when it happened, I didn't think it was a big deal. But now I realize, like, that, like, all these little things that, you know, as newcomers that we do, they're huge deals. Every time that we choose to not pick up the food, it's huge, huge. So that was, like, the first miracle that, that I got in this program. Um, so, yeah, what it's like now um, – Man, I, I I have four minutes, but um, I feel like I could talk so much about it because I have so much gratitude for this program. So what it's like now, I um, have a sponsor. She's great. Um, she um, helps me realize how I love drama and I love my stories because I always want to tell her about every story, every angle. And she, re- <laughs> she, she kind of brings me down to earth and helps me look at facts. So it's been very interesting three years into program to, I mean, to look at what is really real. Because I, I love fantasy. I will fantasize about everything, right? Um, so it's just been interesting as a person to kind of see these these behaviors, these defects that kind of I felt kept, kept me safe. Um, in terms of the food, it's like the first thing that happened, well, not first thing. Once I was in program, I put down the sugar. Um, and that's been a miracle that I haven't picked up since. Um, and it's funny, I come, like, I started a, a side, I started a cake business, like a little side cake business in program. And I remember people were asking me, like, how are you making these cool things and you're not eating it? And I'm like, I've eaten it so many times. I know exactly what it tastes like. Um, and that's just like such a freaking miracle. And I take my recovery for granted. I really do. Like every moment that I ch- don't, you know, I don't choose the food. It's a miracle, right? So, um, yeah, just, um, okay, I have two minutes left. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> but um, so, yeah, right now my relationships, they're healed. I remember when I first started program, my husband was like, you know, if, if, the, if pro- this program is going to be, like, the most important thing in your life, then then we're going to be done, right? Like, we're, we're going to split ways. I've got to tell you, two, two three years in, um, my husband is my greatest ally in program, and that's just like I am getting chills. But it's just like I, I can't express the gratitude that I have 
towards this man for for caring about my recovery as much as I do, if not more sometimes. On the days that I'm like feeling a little like, oh man, like slippery, he's like, hey, did you did you talk to your sponsor about that? And I'm just like, you know what, that's enough, enough. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna look at this thing. Um but he's been my biggest supporter in program and you know my higher like my relationship with my higher power. I don't know how to explain it other than it's a feeling that I'm taking care of each moment of every day. I used to think that, like, you know, I used to do the wanted ad. I used to do all these things to try to understand this higher power because I knew what Jesus looked like, but I didn't know any other gods what they look like. And I just got so caught up in the semantics that kept me from actually, you know, seeking a, a power greater than myself. So, um, yeah, so now it's just like it's this feeling that I'm okay. I'm, you know, like right now I'm exactly where I need to be. And I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be taken care of. And and the people that I love and care about, they're going to be okay, too. I am not their God. And that was a big lesson of the program. Um, I'm going through amends, and um, and I made amends with my dad. And, amend, like, step nine was the one thing that was going to keep me out of program. Like, that, I, I was like, I'm not. I'm going to do all the, step, all the steps except step nine. And, um, oh, is that my time? Yeah, okay. Okay. Just ask me about my amends with my dad. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. There we go. Thank you, everyone. All right. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of over Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon and the secretary will call on you and then and you can then unmute and ask your question. Okay, Jessica. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for sharing. It was great to hear you. And I'm so glad we've been getting to know each other. You are a true power of example. I was wondering, can you tell me about your amends with your dad? Why, yes, I can. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Yes. So, um. When I was when I was thinking of doing the amends, there was um, I, I was so afraid to kind of do, make amends with my dad because that's the person that I had the heart I've had like the hardest relationship in my life was with my was is well was with my dad um, and I did something pretty hurtful. I did something really hurtful. I mean that's why we do the amends, but I did something really hurtful to him and I was just like you know what like I I I had all these excuses as to why it wouldn't work, right? My dad doesn't speak English. I'm going to have to translate. It's not, he's not going to understand, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm in Jersey, and I did the amends to my dad about two and a half weeks ago. And um, and in the moment, I thought it would be, like, this powerful coming to Jesus kind of thing of, like, I did this thing, and he would understand, and he, you know, all these things. But then what I, you know, all that he said was, like, you know, you need to fight for what you need. And um, it was really funny. Side note, he tried to fix my food problem. And, <laughs> and you know, and it's just like I had to, re- like, I had to realize that this is, this is the way that he tells me he loves me and that he cares for me is by giving these suggestions. And all I can say is thank you and, and just be okay. Like, so the biggest thing is that I'm not taking it personal anymore. Before I would take it personal. I would yell at him. I would scoff. I would now it's just like, I'm able to see that he's coming from a place of so much love 
And that's the tools that he has to tell me he loves me is by trying to, to fix this stuff for me. Um, and you know, uh, the first week he was making comments about my food and I was getting really triggered. And, and now it's just like, you know, I've been praying about it and talking to my sponsor and to my therapist about it. And it's been lifted in the sense of like, I'm able to really see that this is how he, this is how he loves. This is, this is him. Um, so just like coming to a place of acceptance and, and just really just being grateful to like have a relationship that's healing now. So yeah, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, next up I see Carol. Hey Nancy, good morning and thank you for your share. So you mentioned that your husband went from a place of, you know, if you make this your priority, we're done to being your best ally. And I'm interested in hearing a little bit about uh, his transformation from one to the other, but also um, how you handled it throughout, like in, like in the beginning where he started and how you were able to, um, you know, deal with that emotionally, spiritually, whatever, and, and how, how it was as, as you transformed along with him. Yeah, Thanks. absolutely. Thanks for that question. Um, so his transition, well, I am not the best at presenting things. I, um, I tend to just like throw things at people, unfortunately, and it's something I'm learning. And what I mean by that is like, I told them, Hey, I have this thing. I'm, I have an eating disorder and I have to do something about it and you have to deal with it. So imagine you think that everything's cool and peaching with your wife until now. And then she comes out and she tells you these things. You're just like, what the F? So, you know, there was a few comments that he made like that. He, um, he's like, this is not, he didn't say this isn't what I signed up for. He, he, it was just more along the lines of like, you know, he felt tricked. Right. Um, and you know, I was really, I was really resentful because I was like, I wanted him to be on board on my terms. I didn't give him the space to kind of like grieve the fact that he's losing his binge buddy because we used to binge together. Um, and you know, I, I like, I really thought we weren't going to make it guys. Like, like a year and a half ago, I really was like ready to walk out the door. Um, what shifted is, um, the fourth step, I think that's really where it started. Um, and, and really, cause like seeing my defects, right? Like this is what I do. And so it's like when I want to be, you know, um, right, what is the contrary action I can take? So I think that in my relationship, what happened was a lot of contrary action and vocalizing and communicating in a way that I never did before. Like, Hey babe, I used to, I stole a couple bucks from you, from your wallet a lot of times. All the time, actually. So now, like, kind of telling him, like, hey, I'm going to take money from the ATM. Do you need any? So, like, being honest, I think that's what what changed. Um, it's just, like, being honest. And, you know, and he started seeing the change. Like, I, I was, like, during the pandemic, I was like, hey, I was like, I'm walking into the kitchen a little bit more often. I'm feeling kind of triggered. So, like, talking to him about the disease. And when I was working on my amends, you know, it's a communication I had to have with him. Like, hey, I have a couple of, um, you know, financial amends I need to make and um, to some establishments. And, you know, talking through it with him. And he was like, wow, you, you like, that's the kind of things you did. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is this is exactly what I did. And something that I do now is when I'm in bed, when I wake up and I'm in bed, I roll over and I look at him and I pray 
to God for him, for us. Like, I'm like, help me to be understanding, help me to be loving and kind and compassionate and tolerant. Like all these things that, you know, and just, I just prayed to him for us kind of thing. Um, and that's just helped a lot because it kind of helps me to get my ego out of the way, really, because like my ego is still, it's not my amigo, but I still kind of hang on to it sometimes. So yeah, I, I hope that answers your question. Uh, Julie? Thank you, Nancy, for all your work. Um, what in your life has occurred um, as a result of working the steps that is uh, beyond your wildest dreams? Thanks for the question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember when I first came into the rooms, um, I heard the, I heard the term, beyond, you'll have a life beyond your wildest dreams. And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to travel. I want to have a fancy house. I want status. Like, I, that's what, like, what, when I heard the wildest dreams piece, that's where my mind went. Today, <laughs> beyond my wildest dreams is being able to show up as myself. And I hate, like, not that I hate saying that because I'm just like, it sounds so foofy and stuff. But, like, you know, I never, if someone would have told me before a program that I'd be able to, like, be at peace in my relationships and be grateful for every relationship in my life and to really just be present, I don't think I would have believed them because I just cared about the food. I just wanted, I just, I, I wanted to be with the food before I wanted to be with people. So my life behind, beyond my wildest dreams now is being present and being in today, even though it's just like a moment at a time, just being in today that is beyond my wildest dreams because it's not something I was able to do before program at all. Um, and just, you know, and just to start to like myself. I think that's also um, a big one, too. Thank you. Bob? Uh, so you started a cake business. You gave up sugar. Then you started a side cake business. I know. <laughs> did that drive, but did that trigger food did that trigger other food because i'm just curious when food calls and especially if you give up sugar you know yeah yeah thanks for that question so um when i am when i'm baking and decorating that is when my program is the strongest and that's because i pray before i start um touching these ingredients and i put a lot of podcasts on i log into the vision for you meetings um i find those have the strong like really strong recovery that i that i need to hear that are uh, big book based and so i feel that when i am baking it is when my program is the strongest because i know that if i go to lick something like my abstinence is gone like and there's no coming back um and you know, but I've also realized, like, this is my, how I express my creativity. This is therapeutic for me. And this is also a gift that I can give to people that I love. So during the holidays, it's like I, I know that this is something people enjoy. So it's like it's been something I've been able to give and give wholeheartedly and openly and with gratitude. So um, I um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just like I, I know that I, I feel definitely really close to my higher power when I'm <laughs> when I'm baking, ironically, because I know that that's. I, I really, I can't do it alone, you know, so I hope that answers your question. Uh, Kathy T.
I think you have to unmute yourself, Kathy. We lost her. Okay. Nancy? My name is Nancy Beecham. I'm a compulsive overeater. Nancy, you know I've been in OA for 44 years, and I'm maintaining a 150-pound weight loss. And and I agree. I think that we need to hear newcomers, but I certainly think that because over the years, everything has changed. What I believe that five years and ten years, a lot of things got narrower and had to go away. But my question to you is this. You spoke a lot about how you got to Overeaters Anonymous and why you're here and why you're staying. But I believe the essence of recovery is a spiritual experience in which everything in our life begins to change, how we think, how we behave, how we act, and that is getting closer to God. So would you talk to us a little more about some of the things you didn't have a chance to get to? Like, what do you do? There's so many newcomers here. When you get up any morning, separating your food plan from your program. What is your program? Do you call a sponsor? Do you call four people? Do you drink a cup of tea? You know, what do you do? And then also a little bit about during these years, have you made decisions? Like maybe you've had some good friends or sponsors or people in the program that said things to you that disturbed you because you're sensitive and you walked away in anger. You know, um, did you have to do something about that? Or, or are, there, are there things that you have like that and, you know, or situations that were just too much? Because these character defects, I believe, go away, but they do come back. We get to see them quicker. So would you just kind of expand your program now? Yes. Thanks so much, Nancy, for the question. Yes. So um, my, I do a 10-step every day. Um, and it's, it's imperfect because sometimes I do it in the morning, sometimes I do it at night, but I do a 10 step every day. Um, that's part of my program. So, okay, sorry. Let me start from top. So meetings. Uh, I try to go to at least three to four meetings a week, if not more. Um, I actually go to more, but the ones that I go more to is I'm listening in. I'm not actually actively participating. Um, I, uh, I use the tools of the program. I do a lot of outreach, um, texts. Sometimes it's easier for me during the day when I'm triggered. I do outreach calls, but text in a, in, in a moment, that's that's really where I go. Um, yeah, prayer and meditation. Meditation is still very hard for me. Um, sometimes I do one or two minute meditations and and I have to remind myself it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in this program for a very long time, so I need to work on something that's sustainable for me. Um, and that's something I, I struggled with um, over the years is something that's sustainable. What does a sustainable program look for me? Um, like, you know, I have to be mindful that there's people in my life that need me. So it's just like, how do, how do I carve out time for me, for program, and for others? Um, so uh, prayer, that's uh, pretty interesting because my, my forms of prayer have changed through, through since program. But it's like now it's just like I am talking to power that is not me i um you know i in the morning i i get a few emails and text messages from fellows with some kind of program nuggets so i read them in the morning um because it, it's like based off the big book and uh it's just kind of some ex um, little captions from the big book so that i find that that really has helped me journaling is one of my favorite tools uh so i think you were asking about like when i'm angry or if my sponsor says something or um but what 
what comes up for me is journaling. I journal a lot, and sometimes it's on Post-its, sometimes it's on my phone. I like pen to paper. I find that that's a lot more, like, I get all that energy out. Um, but, you know, when I have to, like, when my sponsor makes suggestions that I don't feel comfortable with or I want to be, like, give her a nice F you, I have to remember, like, she's also a human, you know? Like, I I have to, like, you know, take what she says and, and, and feel it, right? Like, sometimes, like, I don't take her suggestions right away, and sometimes I do, and it's just... Five minutes. Thank you. Myself in that regard, um, because being angry and having all these feelings—that's what's going to take me out. So it's just like being able to recognize and tell myself it's okay to have these feelings, and maybe God wants me to look at something when I have these feelings. God, what are you trying to show me? Like, let's talk about it. I heard in, when I came into program, like how you know building a relationship with a higher power is kind of like dating, right? You don't date someone. For like, you know, a day or two and be like, oh, my God, this is the best guy ever. I'm going to get married to him. No, you built a relationship day after day, you know, year after year. And that's how I'm looking at it now with this relationship with this higher power. It's just like day after day, you know, moment after moment. It's just like connecting to this power that I don't understand, because if I come to understand then my God is too small. Right. So. Um, and the spiritual experience, I think, is really just, like, living my life. Like, my God, what a gift. What a gift that I have, like, being present, being with my family, having people that I care about, people that care about me. Like, that, for me, is, like, the spiritual experience. Like, I don't need to eat because when I eat, I am not present for anybody, not even myself, right? So, granted, I'm, you know, I'm still on step nine and I have a couple more steps to go, but it's just, like, I will get there when I get there, right? Um, and yeah um thanks for the question and mike w hello uh this is mike w from uh cleveland ohio nancy first i wanted to thank you very much for your lead it was uh very good it was there was similar in some ways even though i've been in a long time uh you know the disease doesn't change it much you know i i've been in 37 years and uh but you know what i wanted to ask you was i know you talked a little bit about struggling with the, uh, developing the concept of your higher power. And, and could you kind of add more to that about how you finally uh, develop, you know, your, your relationship with a higher power and what you do today to keep that uh, connection? Thank you. Sure. I, and I, I see that my time is um, – Hey, nice you're up, yeah. Yeah, I'll just do real quick. Um, so, like, I, um, my relationship with my higher power today is, as I mentioned, it's like it's become more of a mantra and a feeling that I'm going to be okay. And I'm exactly where I need to be every moment of every day. And that I'm going to be taken care of. Um, like, as I mentioned prior, like, it was a little challenging for me in the beginning to try to understand what this concept was. So I had to let that go and just live with the day-to-day and see God in the little things, see God in people, see God in nature, see God in the very small things in life. So if you, but if you want to talk more about it, please feel free to call me. Thanks.